Hi, this is my dad's podcast, Power Time. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast, a retro gaming audio program for gamers of all ages. I'm Tom Tate. I will be your host and guide, taking you through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. We started our journey way back with Volume 1, the July-August 1988 issue of Nintendo Power, and now we're all the way here at Volume 22, which was released in March of 1991. And a lot has changed in that time, but the onslaught of fantastic software from Nintendo and third-party publishers has been super steady. In this issue, we're going to dig into a few hidden third-party gems as Nintendo continues to build momentum for the soon-to-be-released Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I feel like every issue in 1991 was just leading up to this monumental release that they were teasing all the way back with the early Super Famicom screenshots, these early photos of the Famicom. So if you're joining me for the first time, this episode is hopefully a bit shorter than usual. That's because the past two episodes have been a bit longer, and I want to get back to somewhere around the 45-minute mark. We'll see if I can actually do that this time. The other true reason why this might be a bit shorter is because I'm dying to get back to Mario Odyssey. The game is so amazing. So if you're a Switch owner, you have to get Mario Odyssey. And if you're not a Switch owner, I really hope that you know this game is the game that entices you to try to pick one up. Uh, because so far, I've just been completely delighted by the experience. Uh, so as soon as I'm done recording this episode, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, pick up the Switch and play some Mario Odyssey. But I'm very, very excited to uh, bring you this content. Uh, This is a great issue. And before we jump in, I want to quickly thank our latest patron on Patreon. I want to thank Jessica for supporting the show. You are totally awesome, and I appreciate that support. And I'm going to talk more about Patreon at the end of the episode. But before I do that, I wanted to uh, quickly share some feedback that I also received from a recent Apple Podcast review. So this iTunes or Apple Podcast review, uh, the title is Time Machine, Anyone? And it is a five-star review from Steel Empire. Flashback to good old fun gaming. Nintendo was the king of this. Family, friendly, good old-fashioned fun. Tom's enthusiasm shines through to make it a fun listen. P.S. Tom, welcome to the three and more kids group. Two more to catch up to me. And then it's an emoji with uh, the smiley face with sunglasses. Uh, So Steel Empire, I want to thank you so much for the review. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying my newfound uh, admission to the three or more kids club. Uh, I'm a bit sleep deprived and uh, a little bit uh, delirious throughout the day, but I am pushing through uh, my wife and I and the kids too. uh, We are totally pushing through, Uh, but thank you so much. I really appreciate that. If you, the listener has feedback for the show, I will definitely share it good, bad, or indifferent as critical as possible. Uh, Just head on over to powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. You can leave a quick note on Apple podcasts. Your honest review uh, and your honest feedback really helps me continue to improve the show. Um, So feel free to give whatever rating uh, you think the show deserves. I would greatly appreciate it. So without further ado, let's jump right into the cover and contents for Volume 22 of Nintendo Power. Again, the March 
1991 issue. Super, super exciting. I love this cover. Uh, so this cover is very bold. Uh, there's a blue background fireworks going off in the background. I guess they're explosions, but they look like fireworks. Uh, we see the title of the featured game, Metal Storm, Battle Tactics for Reverse Universe. Sounds interesting. Uh, hot reviews. We have part two of Star Tropics and G.I. Joe. And we have a section that says, plus the Nestor Awards call for ballots. One of my favorite features of Nintendo Power uh, is the annual Nestor Awards. Uh, so we'll take a look at what games are up uh, for the vote. Uh, in this particular issue. We have the official Nintendo seal of quality. Of course, the bottom bar, the source for play-to-win strategies straight from the pros. Uh, that actually sounds different. So let me, uh, let me, let me through the power of podcasting, let me pause and let me pull out my Star Tropics copy. Uh, just one second. Okay, I'm back. Uh, so I'm holding in my hands uh, the Mega Man 3 and Star Tropics issue of Nintendo Power, and I am looking at the source for news and strategies straight from the pros. So we have a little copy change here, the source for play-to-win strategies straight from the pros, uh, not even mentioning the news. Uh, so that's that's interesting. That's one of the fun things about doing this week-to-week is I pick up on little uh, changes, little nuances like that. Uh, the price, for example, has fluctuated. It is still three dollars and fifty cents in the U.S. and four fifty in Canada here in this uh, particular issue. Uh, but yes, uh, the main photo, the main uh, feature on this cover, is a giant white and orange mech, and it is holding what appears to be a pretty intense blaster. And uh, this is cool. This is a very, very cool-looking Transformer-esque character so just peeking at the table of contents a few other things we'll check out we have hudson's adventure island 2 we have a couple of interesting game boy titles here we also have uh, princess tomato in the salad kingdom i'm really really interested to dig into that one uh, and then we have a special report we have inside the nes how does it work become an expert by reading this revealing report so we'll learn a little bit about what happens uh, what goes on under the hood with your nes uh, we also open up this issue with Player's Pulse. We open up most issues with Player's Pulse, but I usually in the episodes just jump right into the featured game. Uh, but I wanted to start off with Player's Pulse because there's a spotlight here on the fans. This is typically where fans will mail in letters and they'll include those in Nintendo Power. There's a letter here from James Wong from La Merida, California. And I love this letter so much. I really just wanted to open up uh, the kind of the beginning of this issue with this letter. I was so desperate to become a Nintendo gameplay counselor that I wrote to the Mickey Mouse Club telling them about my dream. They decided to help me make it come true. They flew my parents and I to Seattle, Washington, near Nintendo of America headquarters. I toured NOA and a camera crew videotaped me for 12 hours with real gameplay counselors. Boy, was I tired. I met Kim Racy, she's cool, and Howard Phillips, the game master. I'll never forget that day. They showed the videotaped session on the Disney Channel. It was totally a desperate act, but it worked. I love this letter from James, and it is so cool that he was able to kind of live the dream uh, as a Nintendo Power fan to go to go to Nintendo of America headquarters and uh, check out uh, this experience. And I would love to learn more uh, about that specifically. The next is a letter from Corey Cardwell, Matthew Jamie, and David Barrup from Rome, New York. This uh, letter is titled, Wrap It Up. My brothers, my friend, and I wrote a rap song about a few of your games. We hope that you like it. So I'm not going to attempt to rap this, but I'm going to read it. It's called the Nintendo Rap. Uh, so I'm going to read this to you. 
My name is Matthew Barrup, and I'm here to say I like Nintendo in a crazy way. Super Mario Brothers is awesomely cool, but in Mario 3, the Koopas are dutifully cruel. Double Dragon is neat, but Part 2 is better. You need to be smart, or Vanna won't turn your letter. Dr. Wily is quick, but Mega Man is quicker, and for a very good snack, munch on a Snickers. Ninja Turtles are green, and they love to fight. Heroes on a half shell? All right. Chip and Dale are small and they have buck teeth. They have to fight Fat Cat and a dog with no leash. Simon Belmont is brave and he's no geek. He has to fight Dracula, who is a freak. The Dark Knight in black, the Joker needs bail. He has to go fight just to save Vicky Vale. The Simpsons are coming to Nintendo, yo. They better hurry because I got to go. Music is great to straighten out the mind, but Nintendo is cool if you want to unwind. So yo, 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 homeboy. There's some really great stuff here. I I can only hope uh, that Corey, Matthew, Jamie, and David uh, pursued a career in producing fine lyrics and uh, possibly producing music as well. Let's give a great big Power Time podcast salute uh, for putting together this Nintendo rap. I probably should have wrapped that. I probably should have put a beat to that, but I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. And on that note, let's get started with our actual episode right now by checking out a fantastic selection of music from our main game. Okay, we have some fabulous live music later on, but right now here's the kind I prefer. In the 26th century, mankind has colonized the solar system, but on distant Pluto base, a solar system defense outpost, all is not well. A gigantic robot-controlled laser cannon created to defend the Earth from alien invaders has turned against mankind. All attempts at activating the base's self-destruct device have failed. In control of a M308 gunner robot, you must storm Pluto Base's seven levels and destroy it. Not only will you have to battle mobs of robotic defenders, you will also have to puzzle your way through the base's maze-like corridors. The fate of Earth is in your hands in this action thriller from Irem. This is Metal Storm. So what we just listened to was the theme from the first stage as performed by Temp Sound Solutions. This group is awesome. They have a plethora of wildly inventive and unique video game covers and original music as well. You can check them out at tempsoundsolutions.com and uh, also check out cnsstockreports.bandcamp.com. They have even more music and I'll post these links in the show notes as well. So Metal Storm gets 12 whopping pages in this particular issue. It's one of the busiest spreads that I've ever seen. It's packed with a ton of content. The maps are really busy because the the graphics in this game are kind of busy as well. And the background image that they chose for this particular spread, it's all a bunch of gears and 
mechanical stuff, wires, piping. It makes the spread look really, really cluttered and busy. Uh, but the game itself looks really, really good. And it performed pretty well, too, with the review, with the power meter. So Metal Storm, it was developed by Irem. It uses the MMC3 chip. And for the power meter review, it received a 3.8 in graphics and sound, 3.7 in play control, 3.7 in challenge and lasting interest, and 3.7 in theme and fun. So overall, it did pretty well. In the early pages, we learn about the special weapons that you can collect. We learn about the gameplay mechanics. And the special weapons, they have letters on them. It's kind of similar to what you would see in Contra. So you have the power beam, which boosts the force of your weapon, allowing you to blast through walls and defenders. Uh, This has a P on it. We have the shield force, which has an S on it, and the gravity fireball, which has a G on it. So the uh, letters kind of correspond. We have the armor, A, B, bonus, C, crusher. Uh, one up has one up on it and extra time has a T on it. Uh, so that's how you know which power ups you're, you're picking up as you're playing this game. Now, the main gameplay mechanic, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, the M308 mech has a gravity control device. Pressing up while jumping will perform a gravity flip. So what happens is you're walking along the bottom of the screen, uh, just as if you were any other platformer. But if you were to jump and press up, you actually flip and you start walking on the ceiling. Uh, It's a very, very interesting gameplay mechanic. Uh, You have a high jump, a corner jump. There's a bunch of different jump mechanics here that are explained in Nintendo Power. And this really helps you explore the base at a totally different level, right? So the different Pluto base stages, you're exploring them at a completely different uh, approach, knowing that you can do this gravity flip at any time. So Nintendo Power then walks through each of those stages and it gives you tips and tricks and identifies where you can get the different power-ups. Stage one is the Access Corridor Alpha. I love these names, so I'm going to read them off. Uh, Here you will defeat the Fusion Reactor, which is preceded by a flashing screen that says Red Alert. Uh, This is pretty awesome. It it comes up whenever you're about to enter a boss fight. I recently played through uh, Blaster Master Zero, and it had a very similar thing happen when you would encounter a boss. Uh, And this pattern, it's repeated throughout all the boss battles, and we learn uh, also in the Stage 1 section of Nintendo Power that this game has a password feature, which is always a very, very welcome feature, especially when a game is as challenging uh, as Metal Storm. Stage 2 is the Tesseract Tunnel. You'll defeat the Plasma Cannons in this stage. Stage 3 is the Gravitrain Access Corridor. You'll defeat the Laser Cannon Floater. Uh, Stage four is the cage. You'll defeat the red battle drone. Stage five is the beam dream. The transformer defense unit will be at the end of this stage. And stage six is the free fall corridor where you will uh, face the whirling modules. Sounds like a very, very intimidating final boss, the whirling modules. Uh, But it's not the final boss. Uh, You are not through yet. Stage seven challenges you to beat the previous seven red alert sequences, plus a final challenge to save earth. So stage seven, you have to defeat all previous bosses. This probably has to be, I didn't do a lot of research on this, but this probably has to be one of the earlier boss rush appearances in a game. A boss rush being when players must fight all of the earlier bosses at the end of the game all at one time. Um, So this is pretty cool uh, that this appears in this game. uh, And I'll probably end up doing some research at some point just to validate, you know, what is the history of the boss rush? That would be a cool article if if, uh, anyone uh, has seen something like that. So let's listen to another quick track from Metal Storm, and then we will dig into the history and the memories of this great game. 
So that was uh, the theme from Stage 3. I I just really enjoyed that one, and that's actually from the soundtrack. There's not too many covers of the Metal Storm soundtrack out there. If you find any other ones, definitely let me know. You can tweet me at YoPowerTime, Y-O-PowerTime, and I have my contact information in the show notes as well. So let's dig into the game itself. Metal Storm is an underrated game. Uh, It was kind of uh, an, an unnoticed gem in this era of NES games. It was developed by Irem for the Nintendo Entertainment System, arriving in the United States first and then later released in Japan. So we talked about this with, with Star Tropics that orig- like typically games would be released in Japan and then come to the United States uh, in Europe. Uh, but in this case, it arrived in the US first and then it, it made its way to Japan as well. Uh, noting, of course, Star Tropics never even made it to Japan. Uh, there's some conflicting reports that I found on the web that show that it's developed by a company called Tamtax. Uh, but I've read that Tamtax really just worked on the Japanese report in one article. So I'm not 100% positive if IRM did the development uh, and also the release, uh, the publishing, or if they actually did uh, did just the publishing. I'm not 100% positive, but I'm pretty sure that IRM is responsible for creating this game. Don't quote me on that, though. Uh, IRM is also known for developing titles like 10 Yard Fight and R-Type on the arcades, uh, very, very classic games, and then later games like Kickle, Cubicle, Kid Nicky, and Guardian Legend on the NES. And we talked a bit about Kickle, Cubicle earlier, uh, and I believe we touched on Guardian Legend as well. They're all classics in their own right, really, really fantastic games, and a lot of these games are famous for being very challenging. So with a password system in Metal Storm, an unlimited number of continues, this game is a bit more approachable, I think I read on a YouTube comment or maybe it was a forum post, uh, someone wrote that this game uh, is actually much better with save states. So of course, a nod to emulation in the future. We didn't have those back then, Uh, but I can totally see why uh, people would appreciate save states just because of a few challenging moments here. But ultimately, it's a lot easier than other Irem games. The main gameplay mechanic that we talked about is this ability to reverse gravity and walk along the ceiling. It's very, very unique uh, for the time. Uh, Later, I definitely recognized this from a Mega Man stage, but I don't think it was a Mega Man that was released yet. Uh, It would have to have been from 3 or earlier. And I think that I want to say this was Mega Man 5, one of the stages, has this mechanic. Uh, And then there's a more recent game that came out over the past, uh, I want to say, 5 to 10 years called VVVVV. You probably heard of this game. It was a popular indie title. And uh, that also uses this reverse gravity mechanic. Uh, But here, it's just very unique. It definitely switches up the gameplay to make it less of kind of a cookie-cutter action-adventure clone that you would see pop up on the NES time after time. Like, we've seen this game. You run and you shoot and you pick up power-ups. But I think that this mechanic really sets it apart. Uh, So I'm excited to see it. Uh, there's also an extensive review that I found. Uh, it's it's kind of a review and retrospective. It's on hardcoregaming101.net. As you probably know from listening to the show, it's typically my number one source for trying to find information about games. There's a lot of great content out there, but this is such a great archive. Uh, so I'm going to steal a few quotes from this particular article and share those with you. And I'll also share the link in the show notes. So this article, uh, and I'm reading verbatim here, Irem often includes fascinating and or innovative boss fights, and Metal Storm offers some tricky end-of-stage challenges which require you to think fast or fail. Nearly every boss battle demands appropriate use of your gravity flipping abilities in order to survive, such as the first battle, an impressive giant of a machine with a weak spot would shift between three different points. 
You can only reliably attack two of these points while upside down, and you have to avoid ring projectiles while staying on offense. This article really does a good job critiquing the game. And I would totally agree. In my opinion, the bosses remind me a bit of the non-robot master boss battles that you encounter in the Mega Man games. If you haven't played this game, definitely check out a long play video on YouTube. I'll link one up in the show notes so you can check it out. And really just skip to the end. It's not a long game, so you can skip to the end and see the boss rush in action. So you can see all the different bosses in this game. It's a very cool sequence of enemies uh, just to check out. Here's what the reviewer in the Hardcore Gaming 101 article, uh, Mike Sotanga, here's his particular take on the game as a whole. There's very little bad that can be said about Metal Storm offering a fantastic setting blended with some excellent running and gunning that doesn't lean heavily on the gravity gimmick like a crutch, but instead naturally complements the mechanic with some illustrious stage design. He also writes, on top of all of this, the challenge is tough but fair, contrary to many of Irem's more brutal offerings for which they are better known. However, the difficulty here notches up on a fair curve, which reaches its zenith at stage 6. But you feel less like the game is outright assaulting you for no good reason, and more as if it wants to make progress, it wants you to make progress while stepping up your game. He does criticize the finale of the game for being a bit lazy, and the length of the game for being a bit short. But he does conclude, however, longevity is offered in the form of an expert difficulty after clearing it once, which brings the level up to something more murderously familiar of Irem's familiar output. Uh, I'll link up the full article in the show notes for this episode. You can check it out if you want to learn more about Irem and Metal Storm. Uh, But I do want to share some memories of this game. I personally don't have any. Uh, having totally passed this as a kid, I don't really, don't really have much to say about Metal Storm. In preparation of this episode, I watched a full playthrough online, so I kind of caught a glimpse of how this works. Uh, I picked it up for a bit just to try out the gravity mechanic, and I loved it. Uh, hopefully one day I will definitely uh, play through completely. Uh, but what I did do is solicit some feedback from Power Time listener Kevin, uh, who hangs out in the Discord channel, uh, which we have at powertimepodcast.com slash discord. Uh, And he mentioned at some point that he really dug Metal Storm. So I I tapped him just to see what he had to share about the game. And here's exactly what Kevin wrote. Metal Storm. I love that game, even though I've never owned it. It is probably the one single player game I remember playing with a friend the most growing up. We got really good at it too, to the point that we could beat the game and get a level or two into the second trip through the game without dying. The ability to flip gravity whenever you want it was just mind-blowingly awesome at the time coupled with an awesome-looking mechanical world. It was a perfect combination of gameplay and setting. I also remember trying my hardest to draw the mech that you played as a few times. It was really hard for my young mind to figure out how to do very well, but I sure did try. Transformers and this game really fueled my love of robots and mechs. To this day, any game with mechs gets my attention more readily than almost anything else. The second level did this thing where the top and bottom of the screen were infinitely looping and you had to figure out how to get through all these traps by picking your route with some one-way platforms thrown in to make your choices permanent in certain spots. And the penultimate boss was deceptively hard. It was just six boxes you had to ride on and destroy as they traveled around the perimeter of the room that had a floor that would kill you if you landed on it. When you got down to the last two, you had a plan killing one and jumping to the other as you couldn't stand on one long enough to take out both. Totally insidious. Uh, So thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and memories of this game. And if you're listening to this episode and you have any memories of Metal Storm or our upcoming games like Power Blade, 
Vice Project Doom, Battletoads, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or even Ninja Gaiden 3, let me know and I'll be happy to share those on the show. Again, my contact information is in the show notes for this episode. But we're going to power down Metal Storm for now, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this game in future episodes, in episodes to come, because I'm certain that it shows up in a few best of the NES lists in the future. Up next, we have even more Star Tropics. In fact, we have 20 more pages to be completely exact. This section covers chapter three, which is quite long and challenging. This was a difficult chapter to get through. It takes you through the Ghost Village. Uh, Chapter four, where you're swallowed by a whale. Chapter five, this is the chapter that reminded me the most of Goonies. Uh, There's the pipe organ puzzle and a few pirates in this chapter. Chapter six, where you fight the Easter Island statue named Broken Joe. It's a pretty crazy fight. Uh, This is a ridiculous game. And these 20 pages in this volume just continue to remind me of how quirky and unique this title is. So if you haven't yet, definitely check out the last episode if you want to learn more about Star Tropics and check out some music from that game. Uh, We covered it pretty extensively. Up next, we're going to go on another adventure. The pint-sized tropical vacationer has returned to the islands in this sequel to the popular Hudson's Adventure Island. The evil witch doctor is up to his old tricks and it's up to Master Higgins to finally give him what he's got coming. Princess Leilani is safe from danger since you've rescued her in the first game, but this time the witch doctor and his dastardly band of monsters and hooligans have nabbed her sister Tina. There are eight different islands between you and the mumbo-jumbo madman this time. So you had better get going. With eight islands, this could take you a while. So this is Adventure Island 2. We have a little call out here, the scoop on Adventure Island 2. Hudson's Adventure Island 2 is very similar to the original game. The game is unique, though, in that you're not always sure what stage you will be traveling to next. Sometimes Master Higgins will take a different route than he did the last time you played. Uh, interesting mechanic for sure. Uh, the levels themselves are the same. Uh, the score for this, so it uses the MMC3 chip developed by Hudson, of course, and the graphics and sound, the rating there is 3.6, play control 3.6, challenge and excitement 3.2, and theme and fun 3.5. So fairly average, slightly above average game here, Adventure Island 2. And the coverage here is 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 nice. Uh, so of course we get maps. Very linear game, Adventure Island uh, one and two. We learn about all the different islands that you'll be visiting: fern, lake, desert, ice, cave, cloud, volcano, and dinosaur islands. Uh, that is very unique titling uh, for the islands that you'll be visiting. I'm sure you can deduce uh, what the scenery and setting is like on each of those islands. I remember this title fondly. I remember renting this and the third Adventure Island many times. Uh, And I also very much remember the ability to ride the dinosaurs. Uh, So this game introduces a gameplay mechanic where you can ride uh, creatures. You can ride dinosaurs within the game. And while it was a lot of fun to be able to do this. Let's let's be totally honest. This game is going to be quickly overshadowed by the other 
Nintendo title where you can ride a dinosaur. And of course, I'm talking about the impending release of Super Mario World, which is not too far away. Uh, So yes, Adventure Island 2, I certainly enjoyed it. I hope that you uh, have some fond memories playing this game as well. The music is very catchy, uh, very Hudson-esque, and uh, I'll link up a few things in the show notes for Adventure Island 2. Uh, Up next, we have Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. With the Garden Fresh storyline and totally organic cast of characters, this adventure is made to order for players who are better at using brain power than dazzling dexterity. Clever clues are ripe for the picking, and when you engage the enemy, a quick wit beats fast reflexes. You've never seen fighting like this. Just remember, stone breaks scissors, scissors cut paper, and paper covers stones. This game is ridiculous. Uh, We have Where is Princess Tomato? The Sal Kingdom is in a pickle. Mean Minister Pumpkin plucked Princess Tomato and split for the Zucchini Mountains. Her grief-stricken father, King Broccoli. You know what? I'm not even going to read the rest of this. And actually, to be quite honest, I started doing research for this game, and then I thought, this is just so outrageous. Uh, Do I need to fill my brain and learn any more than I already know about Princess Tomato uh, in the Salad Kingdom? I don't think I've ever played this game. Uh, I remember seeing it and thinking it was a kid's game based on the cover of the box. And it's just absolutely absurd. I'm sure it's a fine game. And from what I've read, it's a unique title. So if you're interested in a unique game, uh, definitely check this out. It scored fine. Graphics and sound 3.5, play control 3.4, challenge and excitement 3.4, theme and fun 4.1. So here's what I'll do. Uh, I don't want to offend anyone uh, if Hudson Soft's uh, Princess Tomato in the South Kingdom is your favorite game. It's very possible you're listening to this podcast, you're remembering this game so fondly, and you're thinking, Tom, why are you doing this to me? Why are you uh, shaming Princess Tomato? Uh, So if you're upset that I'm not covering this game, uh, which was released originally in the early 80s, this wasn't actually a Nintendo game uh, to begin with, feel free to heckle me on Twitter at YoPowerTime, YoPowerTime. And what I'll do is I'll link to episode 512, of Radio Free Nintendo. This is another podcast that I listen to on occasion. It's a good show. Uh, It's not family friendly. So just a fair warning, if you listen to my show with kids uh, around, or if that's something that you're into, um, I'm going to link to this because they do a retroactive playthrough of this game. Uh, It's around the one hour mark in the episode, but they cover it pretty extensively, far, far more extensively than I'm going to cover it here. uh, Because quite frankly, I'm moving on uh, from Princess Tomato. But I'm I'm very glad that this game exists. I'm very glad that a game like this exists. Uh, I just couldn't invest any more of my time reading about it uh, because it was just driving me nuts. Uh, So I'm going to jump into the next title, which is G.I. Joe. There's about 10 pages of coverage here in this issue. By all accounts, this is a totally fine game. Uh, I don't remember playing this too much. There's a link to check out this issue in the show notes if you want to check out Nintendo Power's coverage. Uh, You can download this issue and and check it out um, from Retro Mags. Uh, I didn't play this one. Uh, I I remember maybe renting it, uh, but I have no memories of actually playing it. But from the Nintendo Power issue, it looks a lot like RoboCop. Uh, It was developed by Taxon. Taxon did not develop RoboCop, but the gameplay itself, to me, just from the screenshots, looks a lot like RoboCop. Uh, But to be honest, I never really got into G.I. Joe as a kid. Uh, So you can heckle me about that too. I I guess I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Uh, I I was more into Ninja Turtles, uh, let's say, than G.I. Joe uh, when it came to action figures and when it came to playing 
uh, imaginative games. So moving on, uh, we have Now Playing. In this section, we take a look at a few other games that were released but not reviewed. Bandit Kings of Ancient China. Uh, this is a Koei strategy game in the vein of Nobunaga's Ambition and Romance of the Three, of the Three Kingdoms. We have Times of Lore. This is a PC-style role-playing game from Toho. We have Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, which is, of course, Indiana Jones. Uh, we have War on Wheels, another roller derby-style game. We have Quicks, an arcade game that was first released on Game Boy. We have WWF WrestleMania Challenge, which was uh, a successor to the first WWF game. This was from Acclaim. A few other games that got reviewed, Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates, Funhouse, Harlem Globetrotters, and The Last Ninja. Up next, we have a Game Boy section. And the Game Boy section in this issue is actually pretty awesome because it introduces ports of two games that I really, really loved and appreciated on the NES. We have Operation C, which is a portable version of Super C from Ultra. It introduces a new weapon called the Hunter. We also have a boy and his blob in the rescue of Princess Blobet. This is a totally different style game. Uh, this is a side-scrolling game. It's it's very different, it appears, than the original A Boy and His Blob. I'm going to have to check it out because I've never played it. Uh, there's a map here, and it looks like the map covers the full game. So it looks like it's pretty short, unless there's a lot of exploration or puzzle solving uh, that I'm not really seeing just from the screenshots. Uh, but it also introduces three new jelly bean flavors, lime, mint, and banana. Uh, so Operation C and A Boy and His Blob look really fantastic. Uh, if you're a Game Boy fan, it's fun to see these Nintendo games making their way uh, through portable ports. That brings us to our next segment of the show, which is previews. This is a look at upcoming NES and Game Boy game packs. We have Power Blade, Tato's new NES action thriller. We're going to have full coverage of Power Blade in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. We have Euphoria by Sunsoft. This is kind of a zany looking game. I never really heard of it, but I'm certainly looking forward to learning more. I hope that this is covered in a future issue. We have Tailspin, uh, Capcom's latest Disney afternoon collection hit. We have Star Wars, and we finally start to see some screenshots. It'll be exciting uh, to learn more about the actual release of Star Wars. Uh, And then, of course, we have a section here for the Winter CES Report. Now, this is the Consumer Electronics Show. This is discussing the technical advances of the Nintendo. There's a quote here. I believe it's from Howard Phillips, and it says, I had to look twice at some of these games to make sure they weren't for the Super Famicom. So it is interesting, and it's true. The NES titles, they definitely came a long way when when, when we're talking about graphics and gameplay. There was a lot of technical advances. Uh, We see Battletoads, Star Wars, a live stage show featuring live dancers dressed in F1 race and Star Tropics costumes. So it's crazy to see that, you know, they were really hyping Star Tropics if they had people dressed up in costumes uh, doing a live stage show. Hall of Fame baseball players were there. Uh, This starts to feel like that E3-ness that we see in later years with celebrities and athletes showing up to promote specific games and companies. Uh, The Game Boy coverage at CES, F1 race, Faceball 2000, Ultima, Final Fantasy Legends sequel. Uh, It looks like the Ultimate Warrior was there, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers from back in the day. And behind closed doors, we have the Super Famicom. And it is listed here that it will be revealed in Chicago in June. And I just had the pleasure of interviewing someone who was actually at that event in Chicago back in June of 1991. And I'm really, really excited to share this interview in a future episode. Uh, So stay tuned for that. It's going to be awesome. 
Uh, we also have a section here just continuing to hype up the Super NES. We see more of Super Mario World, F-Zero, and Pilot Wings. These games are already out in Japan. Revealed here, we have ActRaiser, Gradius 3, Ultraman, and Street Fighter. Uh, and then another Packwatch note. So in Packwatch, we have Star Tropics 2 is revealed in what they call the Gossip Galore section. Now, there's a lot of history with Star Tropics 2. Of course, it didn't exist now in 1991. Uh, but it was delayed for a really long time. And it was released way late in the NES life cycle. So I'm interested a bit, and I'm sure I'll dig in when we talk about Zoda's Revenge uh, in a much future episode. I'm really interested in why this game was being confirmed, greenlit, and revealed so early uh, when they just released Star Tropics 1. I just thought that was really interesting. So the next segment on Power Time is That's So Retro. This is where I dig into kind of the old school articles and the old school snippets that really remind me so much of the 1990s and are really a good time capsule of what this era was like in gaming. So we have this article called The Inside Story of the NES. It's a hardware technical article. We've gotten a few of these. We talked about the MMC chips that go into the game packs. Uh, we talked a little bit about what goes into reviewing the games. Uh, and here we're learning all about the NES control deck. We're learning about the NES mother motherboard, which they call the computer brain, uh, which kind of breaks down the CPU and the PPU. We have the 72-pin uh, connector, the RF modulator. These are all these words that really meant nothing to the consumer back in the day. Uh, but it was great to kind of educate uh, the, this particular audience, you know, educate gamers on, you know, what exactly is the 72-pin connector? Uh, how does it work with the game pack to transmit data back and forth? Uh, and why is it that problems with dust or dirt uh, on the connector caused this issue uh, that everyone experienced where, you know, game packs wouldn't work unless you blew in them or unless you had all these tips and tricks to try to get them to work. Uh, we learn also about, you know, what I mentioned earlier, the RF modulator. This is what actually transmits the picture to your TV or your display. Uh, and there's a difference between RF and RGB. Uh, we learn how controllers work. Uh, we learn the difference between one directional scrolling like in Mario and two-way scrolling like you see in Metroid. Uh, so there's a lot of different things in this article. There's also a picture of what the Game Boy looks like with the cover off. So you can kind of see what the board, uh, the circuitry and the board looks like for uh, the Game Boy, as well as the liquid crystal display or the LCD, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, on the Game Boy. Uh, so this is a great article, and I like that they're doing this kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot more details that I'm not explaining. So if you want to check out this actual issue, there's a link to RetroMags in the show notes. Uh, the celebrity profile for this issue is uh, Rain Pryor, who's actually the daughter of Richard Pryor. She played the Streetwise TJ on ABC's Head of the Class. Uh, it talks about some of her favorite games, Tetris, Simon's Quest, and Zelda II, The Adventure of Link. Uh, and I like uh, this particular profile. I think it's always great to hear specific games that celebrities were playing back in the day. Just so it wasn't, you know, they were doing this interview just for the press. Uh, but it's nice to see that they're actual gamers. Kind of our final segment uh, is, are we having fun yet? And this is where I kind of explore all the kind of nooks and crannies of the issue. And I look for things that are just really, really fun uh, and things that make Nintendo Power unique. And one of those things is the Nintendo Power Awards. So Nintendo Power is back with their 1990 Nintendo Power Awards or the third annual Nesters. 
and the ballot to vote is in this issue. And I'm not going to read all of the nominees for all of the categories, but it breaks down like this. You have uh, graphics and sound, theme and fun, challenge and play control that aligns with uh, the uh, reviews. We have best hero, best bad guy, most innovative, and best multiplayer simultaneous. Uh, And then, of course, we have the best overall NES game and the best overall Game Boy game. So I will actually read uh, this ballot. So for NES, we have Batman, Castlevania 3, Final Fantasy, Maniac Mansion, Mega Man 3, NES Play Action Football, Ninja Gaiden 2, Super C, Super Mario Bros. 3, and TMNT 2, the arcade game. Very, very tight competition there uh, for the NES category. And then for Game Boy, we have Castlevania The Adventure, Dr. Mario, Final Fantasy Legend, Gargoyles Quest, Golf, Play Action Football, Quicks, Quarth, Super Mario Land, TMNT, Fall of the Foot Clan. So the again, tight competition in Game Boy as well. Uh, so I'm excited to see uh, who's going to take the NES gold. Players have the opportunity to send this ballot in to vote. Uh, And I don't ever know if voting from the players had any real impact on who won. I don't know if the uh, gameplay counselors uh, just kind of picked these, uh, but we'll see. The Howard and Nestor comic in this is a callback to Star Tropics. It's a pretty good comic. Uh, There's a nice submarine hoagie joke uh, that definitely made me chuckle. Uh, I frequently pass over classified information. This is the section of the magazine where there's cheats and codes, uh, but there were some good nuggets here. Um, So there's a shot-by-shot breakdown of how much damage each weapon will do in Mega Man 3 to the individual uh, robot masters. So it's a cool grid that really shows you the specific weapon you should be using when going up against a robot master. And then there's a section called Classic Codes, which is a bit inspired by the Konami Code, which is probably the most famous one. Uh, It was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. And it was applicable in Contra, Life Force, Radius and Nemesis. Oh, and also TMNT Fall of the Foot Clan on Game Boy. So that used the Konami code as well. And there's some other codes here as well. There's a Super C code for 10 men, Astyanax, uh, Stage Select, uh, POW 20 men, and the Guardian Legend TGL. Enter TGL as your password in this space adventure and skip the labyrinths. Uh, so cool little uh, listing of classic codes here. Uh, next, we have the pullout poster for this issue, which is Battletoads, uh, which we'll be covering in a couple issues uh, coming up. So Battletoads, one of the classic franchises from Rare. Uh, really excited about that, so stay tuned. We're going to wrap things up now with the top 10 NES and Game Boy games for this issue. Top 10 Game Boy games, we have Super Mario Land, TMNT, Final Fantasy Legend, Dr. Mario, Gargoyles Quest, Tetris, Castlevania, Batman, Play Action Football, and Golf. In the top 10 NES titles pulled from the top 30, we have Super Mario Bros. 3 at number 1. We have Final Fantasy. We have Crystallis, Mega Man 3, and Mega Man 2 back-to-back at the 4 and 5 spot. Dr. Mario. We have Legend of Zelda. We have Dragon Warrior 2. NES Play Action Football. And at number 10, we have Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. And that, my friends, is going to conclude this episode. Up next week, don't miss reviews on these great games next month. And the games listed here at the back of this issue, we have Swordmaster, Power Blade, set off on a futuristic cinemagraphic adventure that's a little bit Terminator, a little bit Operation C, but still totally new. 
a supersonic boomerang adds another dimension to combat. Uh, Power Blade, really, really excited to uh, dig into this one. We have Monopoly and we have Sword of Hope. Featured music in this episode. The intro-outro music in this episode is by Azure Flux and used with permission. Uh, Definitely check that one out. Uh, And then we also listen to the Metal Storm track from the first level. And uh, that track was from Temp Sound Solutions, and you can listen to them at tempsoundsolutions.com. Link in the show notes. We listen to another track from the actual game, Metal Storm. And then we listen to a track from Adventure Island 2. And if you want to check that out at the site itself, head on over to powertimepodcast.com slash 22. You'll also see the cover art for this particular issue. Uh, So you can check that out as well. Power Time Podcast is brought to you proudly by listeners like you and your ongoing support by subscribing, listening, and leaving quick and honest reviews on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope that you did, please leave a quick review and let me know what you think. Power Time is also brought to you by patrons like Jessica. I want to give a super special shout out to Jessica for being the very first Patreon supporter that isn't my mom. You know, my mom doesn't even listen to the show but she was willing to support me anyways. That's what moms do. Uh, I'm still deciding on what Patreon tiers make sense for this community. Uh, I'm going to start by sharing some show notes and posts that are exclusive for patrons through Patreon. So if you're eager to throw a few dollars my way, you can head on over to patreon.com slash power time and you can uh, support the show for as little as a dollar. I will say that the absolute best way for you to support right now is completely free. Uh, And that's simply to share power time with a friend or family member who might dig it. I really appreciate just the sharing of the show. It is 100% free just to share the show. And that would really make my day and hopefully make someone's day as well. You can interact with me and the power time community through Twitter by tweeting me at yo power time, Y O power time, hang out in the discord server at powertimepodcast.com slash discord, where I occasionally share some fun screenshots and discoveries while researching the issues. Uh, Of course, that's where uh, Kevin uh, was able to provide that metal storm commentary. So thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. And finally, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter and get access to a private Facebook group at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. So again, there's a whole ton of things that I mentioned there. You can check out all the links to these and much more at the show notes. Uh, But that's going to wrap up today's episode. I really want to thank you, as always, for your time and attention. Uh, I love putting out these episodes, and I hope that you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the next one. We're going to be digging into Power Blade. And as always, keep on playing with power.